plan to attend the greatest fishing show and sale on earth. We're celebrating our 50th anniversary at the Bass Pro Shops World's Fishing Fair, March 30th through April 3rd, at the biggest and best of all outdoor stores, the Bass Pro Shops Granddaddy in Springfield, Missouri, USA. Located next to Wonders of Wildlife National Museum and Aquarium, voted America's number one aquarium three times. It's our best deals of the decade, with truckload sales of over $20 million of tackle priced to sell. Visit over 200 <laughs> I'm sure there are a number of aquarium people who would dispute that claim, but look, there are sponsors. We can't help the fact that Bass Pro... We are simping for Bass Pro Shops. I mean, they, they pay us $10,000 an episode. What are we going to do? Sorry, it said, it said uh, three times in a row, best aquarium in America. There is no one I would trust to install a shark aquarium in my house that I can go swimming in other than Bass Pro Shops. <laughs> There's, they have Bond vil- the Bond villain squad. Um, you know, like the geek squad at Best Buy for your shark needs. There's time for, There's time for a little fun, you know? I mean, everybody's sort of picking this up. It's been a, a stressful time for like the last two years. <laughs> it's, you know... <laughs> There's there's room for humor, and I pride ourselves on the fact that we don't take ourselves so seriously like the other. So what are we uh, what are we actually going to talk about today? Have you heard of this? Uh, I think there's um, plenty of humor going on in crypto these days. Like, um, is it humorous that six hundred fifty million dollars was stolen again from another protocol again? <laughs> this time, uh, happened to be at Axie Infinity Ronin Bridge, which I guess. Um, Vitalik Buterin, the founder of Ethereum, has written many times that he thinks that bridges are super dangerous, and uh, over and over again they seem to get hacked. So, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what's a bridge? I mean, for I mean, like I don't. Uh, So basically, you. You know, if you want to go into the Axie Infinity world, you need to get your coins over there. And so you... Which I don't. <laughs> well, so you would lock your Ethereum in a smart contract and then it would, um, you know, on the other side, some other software would be able to access that locked Ethereum uh, and do something with it. And then if you're doing a hack like this, I mean, this guy or gal or team or whatever, clearly... Uh, was going for number one. We have a new number one on the rec leaderboard, and I think it was like almost exactly a couple million more than the previous all-time high. So when you're hacking that much, right, you're just doing it for the for the bragging rights. I think like, is there any possibility this person is going to get it out? They send it to some centralized exchanges, but that Ethereum is uh, is not going anywhere for a while. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I want. I just want to know like how many. I'm looking at the rec leaderboard right now. I want to know how many of these are like the same people, right? Like that'd be. It'd be awesome if it was just like this one one person <laughs> just wrecking everybody. You know what I think is so fun. You know, it's so funny is that people sort of think about cryptocurrency and security and vaporizing six hundred and fifty million dollars when the two hundred and fifty billion dollars of venture capital, like hard dollars, that is sitting around right now. 90% of that will be vaporized and things that don't work out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just don't hear about it because it's not as uh, entertaining. Yeah, so the, I mean, that, that's how you run a VC fund. It's like, you know, unless you're later stage, if you're, if you're bleeding edge, which crypto is, and you're competing in a broad market space, if you look at it, crypto, 
if you look at the losses that the VC funds sustain in order to find that one Facebook or whatever, I'm sure it's it's on a magnitude, you know, it's probably over a hundred billion dollars throughout history. And so as crypto gets innovative, it seems kind of odd to get really focused on a $650 million hack when, you know, these pros out in Silicon Valley just sit around and light money on fire. Yeah, I remember, I wish I could remember exactly when it was, maybe you know, but there was there was some article that came out a few years ago about, um, you know, there's these two separate trading desks or whatever at JP Morgan that were in some really obscure market. And then it turned out that they found out that they were like, they were just trading with each other. And, and, you know, it was basically like $3 billion that they had to figure out what to do with because they were the only market participants on both sides of the trade. Yeah. All all kinds of funny stuff happens when you get traders together. Like, right. We're all such a bunch of degenerate people that, um, you know, the financial mistakes, that had been made fat finger trades. And for the longest time, they thought the flash crash was started by some mutual fund selling S and P minis and way too many of them. But it turns out it was literally a guy in London in his mom's basement who went up for dinner and withdrew key liquidity. And then they tried to go like arrest the guy, which I don't, I don't really understand that, but it took him like 12 years to track that down. Yeah, that's crazy. Do you remember that guy's name? I've, se- I've definitely seen that documentary. It's it's worth going and finding and watching. Yeah, Bloomberg, doc- Bloomberg did a documentary on it, but I just, it just, uh, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, if you're, if you're, if you're doing cryptocurrency with the exception maybe of Bitcoin, you're taking venture capital style risk and those guys lose a lot more than the stuff that gets hacked. And I just think that's ironic. Yeah, Boomer, what do you do when you, I know you're not a big fan of VC, but say you made a venture capital investment in a uh, bridge technology and you've invested 30 million and then they get hacked for 600 million. Are you writing that second check? Are you saying? uh, Maybe. Um, I mean, I'm not not a fan of venture capital. I just think that they are not honest about sort of the role that luck plays and the role that, you know, I mean, Elon, there were probably a thousand people pitching an electronic car the same day that Elon Musk was. And I don't necessarily believe that like his was the best one. Um, and I, there just, there just needs, it's not that I hate VC or any, or hate VC people or don't invest in VC. It's just like, guys, come on, you know, <laughs> like be willing to have some humility about the role that you play in the uh, existence of these companies. Yeah, well, I feel bad for the people that just wanted to play the game on Axie or whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, and to that uh, gaming, uh, you know, the big, the first original article or whatever I wrote, and pretty much the only one, is uh, about Argentina and, and how there would be a, as a place that goes through hyperinflation like every four years, one out of every four years is spent in recession. Uh, where they have really two currencies, their local peso, um, and then an off exchange rate of that, and they basically use U.S. dollars, they now account for 25% of the presence of crypto gaming. So that is a change. That, that's happened since I wrote the article, um, which I say not to be cool or whatever, but it there is, there is an interesting debate that I got into with Hashair on our Discord, which is a lot of people see cryptocurrency as a way to... Um, you know, help out people like in Argentina where their currency is always being devalued because they elect crazy people. We were called Peronists and they're left wing authoritarians. 
So they basically like choose to be like Venezuela every once in a while. <laughs> it's bizarre. But, um, you know, I, I, I want, there's such good people. It's such an amazing culture. It's such a beautiful country. And so I think for those pitching sort of Bitcoin as an alternative universe, I see I see what you're doing. You want the best for the people in Argentina. But I think fundamentally they need to stop electing crazy people. You know, it's just that's the the reform has to start there. And so a lot of these crypto utopianists who are like, well, you know, crappy government just use Bitcoin. I'm more like, well, no, you can use Bitcoin, but have a functioning government too. How about that? Right. Yeah, no, the uh, Bitcoin fixes this. I mean, Bitcoin is interesting and can be used in a lot of ways, but it doesn't just like, it's not just like penicillin. It was fascinating. This article in Buenos Aires Times was talking about how, you know, there's all these Argentines who are um, playing online as proxies for people like the United States who, I don't know, can't, can't be there to play the video game. And so they're paying them. You know, one guy was thrilled. He was getting paying $1,500 a month to play video games on behalf of someone sitting in the United States on Axie Infinity, which I thought was just weird. Right. And yeah, so again, that's the sad part is like who who actually like lost real money here? Probably some of those people. And, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully they were holding NFTs instead of Ethereum or whatever it is that Axie Infinity does. All right, so I'm looking at the um, Axie Infinity price chart of the last seven days, and uh, what do we think about our buy the buy the hack theory theory here? Oh, um, it looks like it hasn't really been affected by this. Yeah, see, that's that. I mean, that's the thing. As I would maybe wait a little bit longer. Um, I was I was actually looking at Axie recently on Token Terminal, which is another cool website where you can look at like the statistics of. Um, how much revenue is like being sent out to the users and that sort of thing. And the Axie Infinity revenue just like, you know, crashed um, last November and has never really come back. So um, yeah, I don't know. This, this certainly is going to put it into a pretty sad state for a minute, but yeah, it's interesting that the price sort of um, doesn't seem to have cared so far. What about the, uh, this is good for Ethereum take. You've got, half a billion dollars of uh, radioactive ethereum now can't be can't be done anything with is this just like a mega mega burn so this is ethereum that was involved which is another reason ethereum sucks it was um it was like 600 million dollars of ethereum and like 50 of usdc something like that so if you never bought Ethereum, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have lost any money. That's the lesson here. Well, there you go. Well, but the thing is, is that you had to buy it and then lock it into uh, the smart contracts, and then you lost it. <laughs> right. But there's actually, I mean, I don't think there's any way to get into uh, Axie Infinity without uh, buying Ethereum. Maybe I'm wrong. I I mean I I play the Ethereum skeptic. It's like what I do. I don't I don't I don't really like spend a lot of time thinking about this. It's just it's just it's just whenever you have a bunch of I mean, doesn't everybody wanna do that? Whenever you have a bunch of dreamers, don't you just wanna shit on their parade? It's I mean I, everybody's shit every, everybody's shit all over my I think, parades. Uh, I think a lot of my people parades do that have more sh- collective shit than my my every parade that I throw has more shit thrown at it by various people than just about any other parade. Yeah. You know? All right. So have you heard of this uh, Do Kwan guy, Boomer? 
No, only in the context of Daquan, the character, and The Wire, the best TV show ever. Yeah, so so you remember remember how when we started Foot Guns last July, I was, you know, I was like, hey, this is a pretty difficult task, but, um, you know, there's thousands of cryptocurrencies, but I'm going to pick a few that we're going to follow. And um, one of those was Luna, which at the time was trading at $6. I think it's trading at 110 right now. And uh, it turns out that they've gotten so big and gotten this huge um, backings to their stablecoin, UST. And they are now divesting some of the Luna into Bitcoin at $125 million a day. And they've done that for the last, I think, six or seven days. Um, and they plan to buy... Uh, I don't know, I keep hearing different numbers, but somewhere between $5 billion and $9 billion worth of Bitcoin and um, are trying to go after Michael Saylor. So we now officially have two people in the world buying Bitcoin. How much do you think that influences the price? Uh, recently, I think it's been you know making a lot of people want to go back in and start buying. Uh, you know, There's a little bit of like confluence that went on recently where um, after that Biden pump and dump um all of a sudden you got this announcement from do Kwan that he was buying and every single day the price went up and every single day like you keep seeing the transfers on chain of his 125 million dollars to binance or wherever it is that he's buying from um but yeah no so now the real question is like how many people are going to come in and start selling knowing that you know you have this consistent buyer in the market so what's better buying bitcoin using uh debt that you got really cheaply like MicroStrategy, or buying bitcoin from a token that you created yourself yeah no i mean it's the ultimate hack right like if you want like i mean that this is what all of those ten thousand, twelve thousand cryptocurrencies on on uh, coingecko are all about right just make your own crypto this asset is a brr, constant brr. <laughs> wait what was that danny hold on one more time this asset is a brr. Constant brr. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> David Sitzer figured it out. Uh, Andre figured it out. Do you know, whoever made Dogecoin. I mean, I don't think the person that made Dogecoin was actually trying to create a scam. A bunch of other people just bought it and used it as a scam. But yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the ultimate hack to get more Bitcoin is just create a token and uh, set, convince somebody to give you Bitcoin for it. Did you? Did, was your mom just like cleaning out your old room and found a Casio keyboard or something wasabi where are we getting all these sounds from today you know it's just been a slow day it's been a slow day at the office but i did uh i was into uh tape to tape audio editing when i was a kid tape to tape audio editing wow i mean that's uh i don't know what that is i i, I sold my bitcoin too early i told my bitcoin too early and you were mr bear bitcoin or whatever I will say this: somebody was talking on the the Discord about, oh well, I read something on Twitter about how it's going to go up to forty eight thousand and sell off, and I'm like, man, if you can predict that an asset is going to go to a certain level and then do something, that's some next level shit. <laughs> like I'm just still trying to figure out what it's going to do in the first place. How wasn't that what you were saying? You you called forty eight as the top, right? Well, no, I mean i I just said that it looked like it would like stall out here but i said that before doquan the doquan thing and then um you know i mean it's all it's like it's you know how how something gets somewhere makes a difference it does look like 
um, it's going to come back down to like 45k or something. But that's not like a real. I mean, you have to, you know, that's if you if you're long from uh, 38k or whatever, then I don't know. I was just saying that's a probably a good point to sell, and I did think it would come down. I was, I mean, I was looking for a short here, but I didn't take it. Do you worry about this uh, trade unwinding? Do you think that Bitcoin is going to be enough to uh, stabilize UST for like a long term? Or is it just like a central bank that can only last for so long before it gets uh, George Soros and uh, this trade unwinds and they have to sell all this BTC back into the market? I mean, the the thing we saw with magic internet money when it turned out that the entire thing was like, you know, backed by a super criminal or whatever um but the smart contracts were immutable and so the whole system played out like the you know mim held its peg uh when it got cheap you know a bunch of people bought it back to uh return their loans cheaper um so i I don't know i read this really long paper somebody wrote about how you know the same sort of system is built into luna so that if there was a big sell-off that you know people would just take advantage of the the price action and um, put put UST back to peg. I mean, certainly, yeah. The I don't know the the price of Luna itself has a chance of uh, becoming overvalued here because I think you know there's a bunch of hype around. Like this dude's on a different YouTube video like channel every other day. You know, kind of like when Michael Saylor was buying. So um, yeah, I, th- I think there's a chance that everything gets a little bit over- overpriced here. What are you doing to make my badger to go up? That badger's up like seventy percent in the last uh, whatever it was. Oh, you want to? Oh, you want like you're talk, You're like DJ and Moon Boy. Oh, oh, back to it so, so you can get out of your trade. <laughs> it's been kind of painful to be in this 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 trade um, for a little bit, but I I don't think that uh, I don't I'm, I'm you know I'm not a seller. I'm not. Uh, Wait, where are you buying? Are you buying it on Coinbase? I'm I'm buying it through someone else. I I, I have like a mark a marker. Yeah, I have okay. I, you know, somebody okay. got a, trust got a magic and, and that I have like a marker, marker. It's like a, a casino. <laughs> it's probably against some securities laws or something. I don't know. Uh, it's not worry about it for tax purposes because it hasn't made any money yet. So, um. But but I mean we'll 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 see when it when it when it does. Yeah yeah, there, I mean there's some extra, some exciting. I mean this whole Luna thing is is pretty exciting uh, news for Badger because it's you know the market's starting to be like hey cool we're we're down with locking our Bitcoin and smart contracts into protocols and you know that's exactly what Badger does and um, there's a couple of a couple of exciting things. I mean we we recently um redirected the way uh the convex yields were being um sent out that we have deposited in our our vaults and um we've directed them towards this bitcoin badger pool on curve and i think it's earning like 25 percent apy or something like that so it's one of the highest places in DeFi to earn yield on your bitcoin right now so yeah i mean uh, there's there's going to be some inflows in the badger, I think, and eventually the token price will uh, catch up. But that that move actually um, gave some support to the token price because now people are buying it to try and take advantage of that yield. Is your marker going to deposit in this uh, in this vault for you? I don't know what that means. I just 
told him, you know, that I wanted a hundred thousand dollars worth of Badger exposure, and I have it. Yeah, I had it. I mean, it's worth less now, but, but you um, I didn't, you know, double down or <laughs> whatever. But I'll definitely. I mean, it's it's somebody who doesn't really have to worry about money. It's just a a product. So I don't have to have a wallet. I just refuse to get a wallet, and I'm protesting until they make NFTs available via credit cards so I can get more Delta Sky Miles because that's what all DeFi is: is a bunch of crazy sky miles hoarders so it seems like to me that they would make nfts that you could buy with the credit they need to go backwards right they need to... well you know who's going to do that for you your uh your friend brian coinface because they're launching nfts on coinbase i think next month so you can get it with your credit card then yeah it's just it, why would you have a uh, this this thing this digital asset that you have to have a wallet for is my question. Like why, why it's discriminatory. Well, but I mean, that's the whole, that's the whole point is like you have the wallet and then you don't have to have the credit card. So, I mean, you know, not everybody's got the, it's, 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 it's racist. Not everyone's got the credit card though. Yeah, that's right. That's why it's racist. Yeah, but but okay to to your race because you're the one that's got the credit card. Yes, for, for credit card Americans, um, who you know, it is racist. It's 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 discriminatory in nature, which is typical of Brian Coin. <laughs> oh God, it's a great way to. Somebody told me one time there's a great way to conversate to end a conversation about anything, like you know, um. The final four, like who's going to win the final four uh, in NCAA or something innocuous like that. Just say you're a racist and just the whole conversation or the argument just stops. Do you ever like, do you ever bet on sports? I don't, I don't ever bet on sports. No, I don't know. You don't having previously, you know, managed a lot of outside capital. One thing they scrutinize you heavily for is relationships with gambling. And I haven't even, I don't even know what over and under means because, uh, I care that little about sports and also I don't want to ever be tempted to like bet in sports. Cause if you, I mean, you think about it, you're about to allocate money to hedge fund. What's, what's the thing you don't want is some guy with a gambling problem, right? So when they do deep dive, uh, on you, then that kind of stuff shows up and it was illegal for a long time as well. And so there's always this over under thing. I'm like, can you just bet up straight up? Who's going to win or lose? Like, no, you have to bet over and under by how many points. I'm like, what, what the hell is that? And so people will make all these analogies. What do you want to take the over on that? I'm like, I don't even know. Why? What does that even mean? Just like, Tell me whether or not you think it's likely. What is the probability of like something happening? Well, it's just like betting on horses. Like yeah. you can, you win less money when you bet on the horse that's favored to win because it's like less of a, like you get a higher return if you pick an upset. It's just like the same concept. Well, it, that's a favor to win a horse. I mean, first of all, the only cool thing about horse racing is that guy who races, who's like the manager or the breeder or the molester or whatever he does who looks totally like a heroin dealer. 
and he's just looked <laughs> like a heroin dealer for like the last 20 years and like yeah i think i knew that like every time you see him on tv during the kentucky derby i feel like his name was bob babbitt or bruce babbitt or something like that yeah yeah i think you were close you were close in the first one and he, and he looks like everyone i see because because you know i'm a delta airlines fanboy and so you you know, you get to Europe, you'd be going through Amsterdam. This is the old Northwest routes. And everyone in the Sky Club in Amsterdam looks like this guy. And, and heroin is legal there. So that's how I got to looks like a heroin dealer. <laughs> but, um, you know, people get dressed up on, on uh, what's it called? Uh, Kentucky Derby. And the Kentucky Derby lasts like 10 seconds. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I, I just, I don't horses are just awful they're annoying they're useless well they used to they, they um, used to, <laughs> i'm anti-horse yeah you're a you're a horse racer they're made of ethereum um, all right so let's i'm a horse yeah, yeah. Uh, that's no i mean um the uh um um uh i think one of my best tweets i ever did by the way was uh I'm totally against race mixing. I mean, how can these horses seriously compete in NASCAR? <laughs> Worse, better is a tweet than spoken out loud. But, but uh, <laughs> this is the worst podcast we've ever done. <laughs> like, if we're, we're gonna get, it, let's just get it all out there. Um, so I, I, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. If, if we're about predicting the future and investing, I would like it known. That I threatened to come through this microphone and slap Wasabi just last week on this last podcast. And what happened at the Oscars? Which, by the way, I oh, didn't shit. know the Oscars yeah. were still a thing. I didn't even realize they were still a thing. But what happened? Somebody got slapped. And um, it turns out Will Smith is an actor. I did not notice. I only know him from Welcome to Miami, the song. <laughs> um, and so... That's news. Um, I, you know, there's just so many questions, right? So many questions. Uh, if anyone is involved, if anyone is is involved in the controversy with Chris Rock, I take Chris Rock's side. I mean, he has been, he's one of the funniest people ever. No one has a bad thing to say about him. Um, he was bullied incredibly as a kid, like even like sexually and. I, I so and all I'll say is after seeing that uncensored clip or whatever, somebody who yells that loud and gets that angry in any circumstance also either beats their wife, kicks their dog, or does something else bad. Like I have never yelled the way that Will Smith yelled at Chris Rock, but I've seen people who have, and they always turn out to be just awful people. Maybe he's just a really good like, actor. I mean, what what do y'all think about that? Everybody's commenting. Everybody's got a hot take. Dude, I mean, they're damn. I was shocked. I was shocked that like I was trying to find a slow motion video, and like with all the high def TVs and cameras that are out there now, like you would think, like when you when they play that in slow mo, it's like one one frame you see his slapping hand coming up, and then the next frame he's already slapped and is on the other side of his face. So like I would I would like to see basically like higher frame rate on that it looked kind of fake i mean it looked practiced almost 
I I don't think this was some sort of conspiracy. I mean, those guys looked really. I mean, good for Chris Rock for keep keeping on, keeping on. I mean, look, it's in my mind. It you know, you're if it was fake, it's better, right? Because it it's like, oh my god, this guy Will Smith, like he's the best actor ever, right? That was some great acting, or it was real, and then you're just like, mm. it's totally real, and and he's a Scientologist. Keep in mind, Will Smith is a Scientologist and has a gazillion dollars and chooses to live in the Topanga Canyon area of Malibu, which is the one place where you like can't see the ocean. Like that guy's fucking. Well, do, do you remember when Kanye West went up on stage um, when Taylor Swift got the, got the Grammy or whatever? It was like, you don't deserve this. Okay, so so that. I think didn't that take place in MTV yeah, but then it and then it turned out he had like some mental health issues that he like went and got um, help for or something that <laughs> he didn't get solved, which is why he wound up in the Oval Office talking about weird things, and even Donald Trump thought he was crazy. So like, you know, again, I, I, it was a, it was a crazy two years, and it clearly got to Will Smith. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I. I'm I'm short Will Smith. Will Smith is a made of Ethereum, just like horses. Like a horse named Will Smith, I would just blow that up. Have you ever gone and looked at horse? There are some ridiculous horse names, by the way. If you ever just go and <laughs> they have enormous penises. All right, we're gonna have to cut that one out. <laughs> I mean, that's all. That you know, that's the first thing you notice about a horse. I think. So, uh, the cheat sheet got some changes. <laughs> yeah, no, the cheat sheet's very exciting. I think that the inclusion, um, were the first people to, you know, look at crypto in a broader context, both as it relates to commodities and the market as a whole, with, uh, the largest notional value market in the world, um, E-minis and S&P futures, which trade Sapatico with the S&P cash market. And I think it's enormously uh, helpful and valuable, especially as oil is trading like a shit coin. Yeah, what's going on? I was promised $200 a barrel oil from all these uh, geopolitical assholes that I've been listening to on my podcast. Yeah, I yeah, I think uh, so. So th- there was this feeling that I got. It just felt like people were willing to buy into the idea that Ukraine is going to stop being a thing. And even if it stops being a thing, uh, it's unclear to me that what are we going to do? Just be like, our bad. You're good to go ahead. Those sanctions, we didn't really mean them. You killed all those people, but we're just going to let it ride or whatever. I mean, to some degree, it's up to Ukraine. And they've been very clear, as Lindsay's been very clear, like, you know, it's going to be a national referendum. And um, so that geopolitical thing sort of came felt like it stopped so i got flat oil but i'll tell you it's been kind of easy to trade because there's so much volatility that and there's so much movement that you know whatever you were looking for in a normal week of oil happens in like two hours so as long as you don't sort of get greedy or try to find the absolute top or the absolute bottom you can run around and do quite well um, and today's supply report. This is this is this is amazing. Though, listen to this. There, there, there's more gasoline available for purchase right now than there was last year. So, 
and it's the price is like doubled, which is sketchy to me. There's less oil, like a lot less oil. And so part of it's the anticipation of the oil winding its way through the system and all that. And there have been seven rigs added to the international rig count since this Ukraine, you know, oil went above $100. So we're not drilling for new oil, which is another reason to be long oil. And OPEC Plus is not going to sort of come to the rescue. Uh, They've already made that clear. And they're not going to kick Russia out. And they made that clear. And so um, I think everyone I know who's an alterator or isn't, been trading oil is just exhausted at this point we just want oil to go back to the way it was you know just settle down <laughs> it's a lot it's a lot easier to trade oil when it's moving slowly what's going on with your man uh joseph biden what's up with the uh putin's gotta go oh wait actually he that's that's uh not true yeah so an ad lib the gaff that wasn't a gaff right um you know, Reagan did the same thing. He had a hot mic moment. Um, the thing that we associate with being uh, a defining moment, calling the Soviets an evil empire. Every member of the diplomatic corps freaked out when he said that. They're like, oh my God, we're going to start nuclear war. I mean, I think I think it's, you know, I mean, Biden... Biden says whatever he's thinking. I mean, keep in mind that 2012, he was the first one to, he's the first major politician. I mean, Obama, before Obama, he was just like, yeah, support gay marriage. I meet the press. Um, I think Biden's done a good job of handling Ukraine stuff. I mean, so you think he said it and meant it, but didn't mean it to be then planned to kind of try to soften it afterwards? Yeah. So he gives this amazing speech to sort of, the best speech of his presidency right at the end. He said, for God's sake, this guy cannot remain in power. And then it's my understanding that a key ally called and was like, Hey, wait a minute. You know, cause when you're saying that, when you're like, we need quote unquote regime change, that's like saying we need a whole new Russia. So is the United States going to invade Russia to help? Well, so I've, I've read this book, uh, talking about like game theory and, you know, they go into like, politics around this and like you know sort of like you have to say these things even if you don't mean them but you have to say them in a way that everyone thinks you mean them you know so that then you know you get certain responses and that sort of thing um and then you know it being like nuclear power there's also that you know that looming threat that they're always just like playing with so i don't know in my mind it's just like he said it because he was told to say it and maybe you know, maybe he meant it, maybe he didn't, but he wants you to think he means it, you know? Yeah, I don't think he was told to say... He's not a guy who, like... Joe Biden's not a not a very managed guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, having known him for a gazillion years, he's he, like, makes his own decisions and and is... I mean, if you go and talk to him about certain policy or whatever he'll ask you 45,000 different questions about it I mean the guy knows a lot he's been around for 40 years he's 800,000 years old um and so you know I I think it was a a good thing and and for people are a little bit more hawkish because you just you look at this thing and it's just a clear pattern of escalation Syria was the practice for for this I mean um and so if you don't start, you know, when do you, when do you put your foot down, so to speak, right? When do you, and without engaging in 
or raising the prospect of, of nuclear uh, war. And it's a tough one, right? Um, and, you know, it's, it's a tough one. It really is. I, I think the, the biggest surprise the way it is, is the way India has been behaving. I mean, they've not been a strategic ally at all and are behaving just like a, you know, different version of China or whatever and are plenty willing to do business with Russia. And so this, this I think the biggest, the only good thing to come out of this is that Thomas Friedman, who's a fucking idiot, has now been totally discredited for all times. I mean, I thought he was totally discredited when he wrote the glowing piece about MBS, you know, like a month before the guy killed a guy with a bone saw. But his whole bullshit, Thomas Friedman's bullshit, is so pronounced. He wrote this book called The Lexus and the Olive Tree. It was taught in like every college poli sci class. And he, Thomas Friedman is a master of doing this thing. It's like, well, it's funny you should mention that because I was in an open air Arab market and I was talking to this guy and for the first time it's this whole like um if you believe Larry Fink who manages now 10 trillion dollars which I don't think any place should manage 10 trillion dollars I didn't know BlackRock had gotten that big I guess it's just cuz the market went up or whatever but you know when he, when a guy like that comes out and declares that globalization is over um you know Tom Freeman just needs to count that's a question I have for you guys that I've been struggling with is people like Tom Friedman who are so wrong. How do they still have jobs? How do some of these people just like who are demonstrably It's the same reason why it's the same reason why Ethereum Classic exists, right? It's like people, you know, what's it called? The uh, sunken cost fallacy, right? Like people get involved and then they're just like, ah, I spent so long listening to this guy. I might as well keep listening. I mean, it's not just him. I mean, everyone who supported the Iraq war, which is like the most disastrous foreign policy adventure in my lifetime is still around and they're, you know, all promoted, failing upward. Why should Tom Friedman be any different? I disagree with that in so many ways. You want to do Iraq war? Let's do Iraq war. The problem with the Iraq war was not that, quote unquote, we did it. It's that we didn't do it, right? If the result of of Iraq would have been a fully functioning democracy and we didn't, you know, fire the army on day one, it was grotesquely mismanaged and the, the, the outcome was sort of bad. But the idea behind it, I don't think is necessarily that bad, which makes me sort of a neocon, I guess. But like, I think it's worthwhile to take the U.S. military and just completely just go down to Haiti and just line up all the, you know, bad people there and shoot them in the head and then have democracy. I think the U.S. does need to intervene and spread democracy um, through military might every once in a while. You, know, you don't need to go doing it every day or whatever. So I'm, I'm actually sort of in that camp wasn't but that a people that, wasn't that a thomas friedman quote that every couple of years the u.s needs to just go to some shithole country and uh smack them around that was that's like classic friedman cut that may be i i, I don't i i wasn't going with that i've heard that before i mean it sort of makes sense i.e one of the reasons why 
um, Putin does these military actions is to sort of like, if you don't use it, you lose it. But what people don't understand about the U S military is on the one hand, people are complaining that we spend too much on the U S military. But the thing is, is we're so much more lethal than the next guy. And we don't have like a plan for a no fly zone in Ukraine. Um, we have, you know, full scale, you know, war plans but we don't have like a department of limited engagement so i've heard that argument before too which is we have to flex every once in a while so that other people don't flex a good example of that would be the first gulf war right saddam invaded kuwait kuwait is not that great a place but um you know we had to put our foot down it threatened global oil supply but we didn't insist on regime change um Iraq part two, if you would have, I mean, it was, it's weird because they, they're called neocons, but they're almost like utopianists because they were like Paul Wolfowitz is a kind of questionable guy in his implementation, but his, his ideas, the idea behind it was pretty good. And if there was, if they would have gotten results, it would have been game changing. If, and Iraq is, still a democracy i mean but if it would have been more self-sustaining i think it would have been a game changer and would have would have you know helped establish the u.s-based system beyond the shadow of a doubt for example right um afghanistan was never winnable it was never a war and, and the, it should have never been characterized as a war um it was a, a large intelligence operation that had a military component to it right i mean it wasn't a real country before we were there why would it be a real country when we left i could talk about this for a long time yeah i don't know well, i think the, the lesson of the iraq war is uh if you're going to get invaded by the u.s you need to get nuclear weapons as soon as possible well that that's where I also differ from a lot of people's. What's the problem with Iran getting a nuclear weapon? They, then they'll just chill out. Like they'll, I mean, right? I, I don't. What's this big deal? Why? Why is everybody? Yeah, I mean, it kind of, it kind of doesn't. Make, I mean, if you, especially like if you just go look at like the distribution of the holdings of of countries, right? It's like now Russia and the United States have plenty of nukes to destroy the entire world. Like, yeah, what's one more? And then people do? are like, well. I guess like the yeah people are like yeah. well they're gonna threaten their neighbors they already threatened their neighbors they backed the Houthi people to hit Saudi Arabia I'm not sure how I feel about the Saudis but you know Iran the Persian civilization is one of the world's great civilizations right if we characterize in terms of artistic achievement in terms of um, mathematical scientific achievement you know it's one of the world's great civilizations so they have a nuclear weapon I mean. I just I've never thought that that should be a big foreign policy goal. I mean, we can even the Iran nuclear deal, the JCPOA under Obama, that, that's a delaying tactic. And um, by the way, Israel was getting and this is well documented and I'm very sort of um, I don't really like the government of Israel, but I respect its right to exist. And, you know, they were getting their oil from Iran secretly via secret pipeline for like 20 years. <laughs> so. Um, Wait, when? Before the revolution? Yeah. And, and post. Uh, 
it's weird that all this conspiracy stuff that has a sort of anti-Semitic tinge to it centers around George Soros. When, if you really look at it, the guy who the conspiracy theories should be about is Mark Rich, who, if you vaguely remember him, he was a controversial pardon during the Clinton administration, but he invented the oil spot market. Prior to that time, uh, you had to buy oil. Oil was like a, had a fixed cost aspect to it because you had to buy and sell it to the seven sisters which were the things that came out of standard oil essentially and he established independent oil trading stuff and he was the one running that pipeline for israel and if you look at it's so weird like he crosses he owned half of fox and they sold it to rupert murdoch because rudy giuliani who is a southern district of new york prosecutor brought him up for tax evasion charges. Um, and if he would have never sold Fox to Rupert Murdoch, would we have Tucker Carlson and all that crap? And like it, Scooter Libby represented him in front of Clinton for a presidential pardon. And Libby then didn't get a presidential pardon from George W. Bush, but did from D Donald Trump. I mean, it's like this guy's past crossed with everyone. And, He's dead, I guess, and Soros is alive. So that's why the conspiracies are all about George Soros. But but you look at Mark Rich. I've just been reading this book about him called uh, King of Oil. And this guy's everywhere. <laughs> I mean, he's just involved in everything. And I've just wondered why there's never been a conspiracy about, you know, it's all because of Mark Rich kind of thing. Well, I mean, let me ask you guys this crypto. So, I mean, what's where are we in the crypto cycle? I mean, we've had. I think we're. I think we're at a point now where um, Bitcoin's going to go and just chill in this like forty, forty-two to fifty-two k range, um, and then we got to find out like, uh, you know, is is there any interest in this thing? I mean, if if you to me it like feels a lot like 2019 um because everyone knows that in 2024 there's this happening event that historically has always caused these price races uh it's a trade that's worked three times in a row now so you know there's going to be a group of people that are going to bet on it working a fourth time in a row um and in 2019 there was like a price rise that people are you know sort of saying okay well that was a lot of people trying to anticipate the having, and if you go look at a chart, I mean, it kind of looks like 2019 was like the actual bottom, um, not 2020, other than, you know, that COVID sell-off, um, which was like, you know, a black swan event. So yeah, I think um, basically like $42,000 is a pretty decent price for a Bitcoin right now. And um, if you can get one there, probably make some money. Um, and then there's a, ch yeah, a chance that it touches 52 again in the short term but i mean i i guess my question is more or less around price than it was where are we sort of culturally well, there was the DeFi summer um there was the rise of alt chains there was this that whatever it just it feels to me just as a an outsider looking in that not a lot is going on i don't hear solana mentioned in trad flat circles um i don't know if there are any more participants headed into crypto i almost feel like well, i mean the uh 
Bitcoin volatility is at like a two year low. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is, is I almost feel like I, Chuck Todd, who's, you know, Meet the Press host or whatever, is doing a special on cryptocurrency. I almost feel like that's the sign of a top. Because <laughs> he's like the slowest. He's Tom Friedman esque in his hot takes or, or bad takes or whatever. And I'm just curious, like culturally, where, you know, is there. What's what's one of one of the things that seems to me that crypto depends on is newness. And and so what's the new newness, <laughs> if that makes any sense? Well, uh, Bad, Badger's Badger's about to launch a new product called Citadel. So there's some newness. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the narrative right now that people are focusing on is like Luna. Right. And, and Duke Doquan and um the stable coin thing but it's you're right it doesn't have the same um attention of like broader culture that you know say a whole bunch of people blowing money on jpegs did i think we're just in the beginning of seeing the sort of like mass adoption s curve starting to go up right like with the biden executive order you've got um coinbase launching their nft market uh in the next month or something so You've got my aunt telling me that, you know, this crypto thing is here to stay. So I think it's just you have the um, ETF that was approved, the futures based ETF, and then they're putting pressure for, you know, why, why aren't you doing a spot ETF if you're doing the futures ETF? I just think like we're in the kind of like boringization a little bit. Like I think the, the, the government has kind of realized like it, the U.S. government has kind of said, OK, this is innovation. We need to kind of get our you know get our heads around it um they figured out that all of these off ramps can be extremely tightly controlled and regulated um so that you know maybe crypto is fine to move around and do DeFi shit but it's not gonna do you any good if um you know the four or five choke points binance ftx coinbase are all like completely regulated and kyc and everything so i think um I think that's that's where we're headed. I I, I see, think uh, it's just going to become like another asset class. I think there's still a lot of upside. I'm bullish on the Ethereum merge like the summer. I think that that's going to be good. Maybe we'll Is get that like the an same ESG. Crap we were talking about last summer. Yeah, dude. About proof it's coming. Of stake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing, <clears throat> look, I mean, it's what's the Cardano. You know, the the biggest mistake Cardano ever did was launching smart contracts. Right, like all they had to do. Was just delay the smart contract launch <laughs> and the token. Yeah, you know you're right. You're right. Everything right. trades on anticipation, and it, that's that is wow. That's that's an astute observation. We should just cut the podcast down to that. That's that's honestly the best observation that I've heard you make in a long time, Hal. Not that you don't make good ones all the time, but I'm just saying, like, like you know, like 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 on 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 that on you know that's that's what i was trying to drive at i guess is is what are we anticipating what's that's why people get long things that's why people buy things is is they anticipate something in the future. Right, right and so i guess that that was the point that i was trying to make is like okay so you know we had this big run-up like yeah i agree with wasabi like the boringness factor of crypto has increased like his aunt you know his aunt's involved my, my mom's involved right i couldn't convince them to get involved four years ago they are now um so yeah boringness factor goes up but um right so what's the next 
anticipation, it's 2024 happening event, right? So I think between now and then, it's just going to be complete noise. Um, we might get another retest of the all-time high or something like that, um, which would be interesting because it would change the shape of the long-term distribution of Bitcoin. Um, but yeah, uh, and you know, I mean, the thing about DeFi and crypto and NFTs and all this stuff, right, is like, anything could happen right like tomorrow the next who you know whoever the next danny is could be getting his frogs ready to go as we speak yeah i mean every billionaire is going to want their own crypto i think that's the other trend that we're seeing right like you have doquan you have you people seeing what elon musk did adopting dogecoin or whatever and uh now it's easy for anyone to release a token in 10 minutes um so you're gonna see like personality-driven crypto shit cycles continue to uh, to just pump out every day. How did that thing do with the that um, liquidity was on that had like the, the social coin or something? How did that do? What was it called? Oh, oh that, dude, that whole thing was... A, I mean, we could do an entire podcast about that. Yeah, I mean, people hate that guy now. <laughs> hey, which guy? Guy that launched a bit, what was it? Bitcloud. No, not Bitcoin. Bitcloud. Yeah, dude. And they actually renamed it and relaunched it, like rebranded it because they got so much um, hate. I mean, it, yeah, basically a lot of people were just accusing the guy as, you know, a big pumping up scheme of just for him to get a whole bunch of Bitcoin. I mean, he sold you a token that you couldn't sell, right? Like you had to deposit Bitcoin, send Bitcoin to this guy. And then he sent you a token. Like, it's exactly what we were talking about earlier in the beginning of the podcast, right? With Luna. It's the ultimate Bitcoin hack. Just make a token, convince everyone on Twitter to buy it, um, you know, and then convert it into Ethereum and Bitcoin and, and move on. Yeah, I just, I, 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 it's hard for me to see sort of, uh, yeah, bo- boringness is good, I suppose. Um, I, you know, the, I've been, I don't know. It kind of brings us back to our, 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 you know, game changing conclusion that Bitcoin is something that you trade. <laughs> We're just going to end every podcast. <laughs> Bitcoin is something that you trade. Wasabi, you got anything else? Uh, been going for about an hour now. No, we should, we should plug. So yesterday you had the how to trade like how seminar in our discord. Was that open to everyone or was that just the, uh, inner circle platinum mastermind gold card members it was open to everyone but we only advertised it in our discord and in on our twitter so if you're not in our discord or not following us on twitter and you wanted to be involved with me uh showing you guys like how i do do some trading i mean we went a little bit in depth into the tools that i use to build the cheat sheet and then yeah how to actually like manage a position and things like that um and yeah, I also demoed a, a protocol called GMX, which I think uh, Substack allows us to post videos now. So I'm going to post the video of the um, AMA for paid subscribers to see. And then I'm actually going to be doing a couple more videos from now on, I think. I, I and, and if you guys like it, we'll keep doing it. And otherwise, I just think I will like that more than trying to just like take screenshots of things and talk you know write about it i think it'll be a lot easier to just sort of show you some of these DeFi protocols on my screen and how i use it and stuff so yeah i look forward to that 
So yeah, so if you are listening to this and you want to hang out with uh, Foot Gunners, go to our Discord. If you want to get the cheat sheet, boomer geopolitical analysis, uh, whiteboard drawings, and even more of our trading rules, we're about to record the second part of that. Just uh, upgrade yourself to a pro uh, membership and we'll get all that good stuff over to you. Do we really have to edit out my observation that horses have enormous penises? No, I think if 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 anyone made it that far in the podcast, they deserve to hear it, right? We're we're gonna edit it out and put it to the front. That's the cold open. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just it it's it's it is kind of amazing. Like those those things are big big horse penises. They got them. They're big. Yep. Well, anyways. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm just hoping um, what i'm trying to do i don't know if you've detected this or whatever but i'm trying to get vipes to create a new um, to create a a new emoji specifically for foot guns because when i talked about tom hanks when i talked about tom hanks <laughs> fucking the soccer ball then you know, we got a cool emoji out of it. So that's why I went there with the horse. Okay, call. before we go, give, give us like something that you haven't given us before on the uh, on the soundboard there. Bye, bye, bye! That's the, for the uh, premium version. If you, you go, you go, you find, you open your email, you see that, that button, and then... Bye, bye, bye! Then you're in, instantly. I like it. I like it. <laughs> okay, so podcast is over just quick question should we just re-record should we just do another podcast real quick that lasts like 30 minutes because we were that was insane